11 o'clock, showing up to 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock was like, you all had diction, you all had emphasis. Let's try this again. He is risen. That was good. You want to do like a little cheer at the end with some clapping? No, no, no. Let me, let me, try, let me, let me do it. Ready? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get this, okay? He is risen. Okay, now I know this is unrecorded for eternity, but you're my favorite service now, okay? Those nine o'clock people, you, they're not nearly as cool as y'all. Hey, one quick fun announcement before we get into the meat of the service is that we have the youth toilet fundraiser and the Easter egg hiding fundraiser is now officially over because an anonymous donor bought the toilet and does not want to keep it. So in case you're curious about that, we are thankful for the generosity of so many people. And ironically, it ends in my office, thanks to some, some wonderful people who, uh, who donated for that. So great job, E3, on sending our middle schoolers and high schoolers to Orlando this summer for a mission trip. Now on to the message. One of the fun gems of still being a new pastor is that most, most of my sermon illustration stories are still fresh. They're still new. And there will be a day coming when I inadvertently share a prior story twice. But fear not, you're not to the saturation point yet of my voice at this weekly 28-minute brain-congratulating session, so any doubled sermon story will become purely white noise. Please stop me, I'm on fire. But for real, here's a fun gem about your pastor you did not know and it says PG-13, it'll actually be PG because we have too many kids coming in for Easter. I taught, I taught in one of my prior lives, education on procreation. We call it something else, but I don't want to get in that with your kiddos, okay? And now the story's not so boring, is it, right? Because some of my, in the first gathering, my teens literally oozed out the back steps as I said this, but I taught journey of love, journey of love to a bunch of high school delinquents in Omaha, Nebraska over a course of a year. And over that year, we talked about how God has your soulmate picked out and you gotta pray for your spouse and a whole curriculum that had no idea what types of teens that were in that class. And friends, they knew far more than I did about any of the anatomy of what we were actually talking about. But here's the kicker. They had no relationship. They didn't understand what true relationships were, healthy relationships. It's done mainly from modeling, but they didn't understand that there's both a relationship in physicality, but emotionally and spiritually that you have with a partner in this journey of love. And right now you all are saying, isn't this Easter? Why is the pastor talking about this topic that I have to hold my kids' ears shut? Hold on, nothing new while we preach here at E3. See, relationships are hard, Amen. Let's try this out, and not the procreation part, okay? The relationship part. Let's try this out. You can laugh at this, friends. You can laugh. I'm feeling a little bit like this is awkward time in the journey of love class. <laughs> but we're going to keep going, okay? Let's try this out. Find someone you've not yet met before, or maybe you can just pretend like you've not met before. Introduce yourself, share your favorite color, and then share some life-changing moment in your past. You have 48 seconds. Ready, set, go. Online, make sure you chat in if you feel welcome to. Just please chat in on those online.
11 o'clock service, all the, all the excited extroverts coming to 11 o'clock. Not coming to the late service, you're out too late last night, apparently. Talking to people, getting to know people. There's an energy in the room. Nine o'clock is like, here's, here's what I'm going to ask. In what we just took part in, which is a little longer than 48 seconds, 47 seconds maybe, raise your hand. How many of you talked about one of the top three worst moments of your life? Wow. Some of you doubled up from the first service. Worst moments, right? Worst moments? Yeah. Here's the crazy thing. You're more vulnerable, number one, than the first service. But as humans, we're scared in general because the majority did not. As humans, we're scared to share the worst sides of ourselves for fear of rejection. We are terrified that somehow we are too much, too broken, too awful to have someone else bear. What is interesting is that this feeling never goes away through adulthood. We just tend to mask it, we massage it, or we just ignore it as we gain experience points through life. If, you, if I could build a greenhouse for a perfect relationship germinating, I believe it would look like this with three components in various amounts for various people. And first of all, we need to have commitment, commitment. There has to be a commitment that if you're in a relationship with someone, you're going to spend some time with them and you're not going to run away, right? I mean, that's, that's a duh. But the time component is so important because in 47 or 48 seconds of bossa nova music in the background, some of you had a connection. You had a little bit of a spark of a relationship. But what if we had took 47 minutes in the greeting time at 83? I would be run out of town because you all have brunch plans, right? Or lunch plans. Some of you call it dinner. Here, here, here's... here's 47 minutes, exponentially more committed relationship. But what about 48 years? Some of you have that. Some of you are striving to get there, right? The idea of time really can either make or break any sort of relationship. Secondly, we're looking at authenticity. I don't want somebody's fakeness in a relationship because what will happen is eventually it will fizzle away, the fakeness. And the true core of who that person is will be revealed, there's some hard moments and some hard stories in that, right? But authenticity is key in this greenhouse of relationship. I try to, as very much, you know that I can jump into Alex Trebek trivia mode both off this stage as much as I am on this stage. Amen? Yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> Thank you. Third, we need proximity. And that involves touch to a level. There's this idea in... And, and, and trust me, I love Zoom and I love all the different types of platforms we've had online connection, but touch brings a different level to a relationship than no touch, amen? And this idea of touch being removed during the pandemic was one of the hardest things that I had to go through. Of course, I had my four kids, my dog, and my wife, and I had time to touch people, but to be able to shake hands in just a friendly way, to give a hug to a friend, to give it elbow bump even. That elbow bump moment where it was okay to bump elbows was like, oh, during the pandemic. Because there was a touch of someone outside of my pandemic bubble. These three components make up a greenhouse to have foster great relationship. I believe they come out in different ways. For example, if I have a counselor and I go to the counselor week in, week out, week in, week out, week out, I have the time component, right? I have the authenticity moment, right? Because I'm telling that counselor things that I need help with or maybe to, to reorient in my life. But I don't necessarily have that touch component, that proximity to them in that level versus a work associate who I may spend a lot of time with, but I may not be totally authentic with them. 
I used to share a cubicle with three other people, and it was awful because you're sharing a cubicle that they would hopefully keep you on task, but eventually we all were just you know, kind of like inauthentically authentic because we all were playing Minesweeper by the end of the time we were working with one another. And then lastly is your partner, the person who you have that level of intimacy with. And it's not always easy to be in relationship with one another, especially those who've been married 47 years. You can say an amen right now. But in all honesty, even the people who are most unlike one another can find relationship when you put these components together. Don't believe me? I know personally through adoption before little ones, we've seen transformation in relationships by putting these three ingredients into any relationship. But friends, most of us hold back on authenticity. We have little time margins, and we're very fickle and often do not engage most relationships with a sign of affection, at least in the United States. See, I friends, we have a severe relationship deficiency. So I want to try this again with this background in mind. You're going to find someone different this time. You're going to greet one another, share your favorite color, and an impactful story from your past doesn't have to be bad. But this time, just include some sort of mutual beneficial touch. We're not doing the, the Italian kiss on the cheek thing, okay? We're doing fist bumps, high fives. If you want to be the Italian kiss on the cheek, you do, it's fine, it's fine, that's fine. But I'm not going to say you have to do that, okay? No one's laughing. This is awkward now, okay? Do I have to kiss the person sitting next to me? No, do not. Shake hands, fist bump, elbow bump, whatever it is, some sort of physical touch. We're going to find out something new about somebody else in this room. Ready, set, go. 48 seconds. All right. I'm going to interrupt rudely, but this happens every single service so far. This is the third time we've done this. The second time, it's been harder. It's been harder to reel in the socialization because now I have a connection with someone. Raise your hand. Was this different than the first time versus the second time? Was it different? Yeah. See, people, people are raising hands. Some of you are like, I didn't do either, Pastor Scott, and I, I see you. I see you. I see you people. We'll talk after the service. But I want you to keep yours, these two moments in your mind as you open up to John 20. See, Jesus, days before, has been 100% crucified. Both his enemies and his closest friends know that he is dead. He's buried in a tomb. And on that Saturday, the one day where God incarnate truly rests, we see that he is completely done. And yet Sunday morning, this morning, several women are the first witnesses, and then Jesus has come back to 10 of the 11 disciples. Jesus interacts with these different people in different ways. And isn't it interesting that Jesus chooses intimate relationship versus detached deity? Jesus could have be having a party with angels at his resurrection. He could be anywhere in the world. He could be in some tropical location, just, you know, chilling because he's Jesus. But the one who has defeated death and rules over heaven and earth comes to find some of his closest friends and reveals himself to them. And yet Thomas is not about this. Thomas is holding back relationship, holding back himself from the possibility of Jesus being raised back from the dead. He wants none of my relationship greenhouse. More on that in a moment. Chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas also knows Didymus, which means twin. Twin. We don't know if he's a twin. It's just a title that he has. One of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples came and told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger 
where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And we should all say, ew, right? Yeah, putting your hand inside another person's hole in his flesh where the spear went in to check if he was dead is just a thing we say, ew, too. So we're ready, one, two, three. Yeah, it's disgusting. The nail marks in his hands is what he wants to touch, and he wants to see that this physical proximity, this physical proximity is truly Jesus. See, it's, it's not that Thomas is a stubborn or a doubter in my humble opinion. It's that he does not want to be hurt again. Thomas believes that this is Jesus the Messiah, Jesus who will restore all things and Jesus who will take Israel to the next level. Friends, he is all about Jesus and they come into the, the Holy Week with this mentality that's going to happen, something big's going to happen, and then he dies. Thomas expected one thing, he got quite another. He thinks that Jesus pulled a great dupe on him. He's not authentic. Unless he can touch him for that relationship, he's not going to be vulnerable again for relationship. I often think about sports teams and, and, and the idea of waiting for a championship. Are there any Cleveland Guardian fans in the room? Yeah. There hasn't been any, any of the services. 73 years. 73 years have they been waiting for a baseball championship. Okay, they, They've changed their name, so they got that for them at least. How about Detroit Lion fans? Again, no one. The losers have no fans. That's why they can't win. 64 years. Phoenix Suns? Oh, yeah, 54 years. But can you imagine waiting for a championship for 400 years? 500 years, 600 years, 700 years? Generation after generation after generation after generation of people come and go waiting for the Messiah to come, and yet he does not, and Jesus seems to be at this moment just yet another who has taken a relationship that is God incarnate and twisted everything around. I think the recent world events for many of us has turned us into Thomases. We isolate, we withdraw, we hide ourselves from being seen by others because we're scared. We're scared of putting ourselves out there in relationship. But God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit do not let us endure. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, peace be with you. It's a common phrase of greeting. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Another phrase you could translate that into is stop becoming an unbeliever and become a believer. Better translation. Jesus isn't a God you have to hide your face from. Jesus is God incarnate, eternal, resurrected, that you can touch, you can talk to, and you can have pure relationship. Check out Thomas's response. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Here Thomas bows before God incarnate. He uses the word kyrios and theos in Greek, which are both titles for God divine. But Thomas also uses the implied pronoun. What's a pronoun he uses? My. My Lord and my God. And friends, I love to do dramatic readings of scripture, but I don't know if he's screaming this or if he can barely get the words out in, in a whisper. So I chose the middle. He's all back in on this relationship. Thomas is all back with Jesus Christ, touching his hands, touching his side. Though it doesn't say he does, it's implied that the touch of relationship 
allows Thomas to open up his brain door for relationship with Jesus to be not only reopened, but to confess that he is Lord, he is God. Verse 29, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Some of us here this morning need relationship restored in some sort of miraculous way. And God can do that. But friends, in our relationship with one another, in our relationships with God, we are exactly like those prepubescent boys that I taught that class to. We don't invest in what would bring order out of hurt and delusionment, out of chaos. And instead, we continue to be stubborn and doubt, just like Thomas did. The key is setting your relationship to Jesus first right. In analysis, shocker, we have a severe relationship deficiency with Jesus as a society, just like those delinquent boys and just like Thomas. With Jesus, we are rarely authentic. We tell Jesus what we think he would want to hear with these and thous. We plead that the spirit of God is brief and tidy in God. We hold out at an arm's length. In some of the most intimate areas of our life, we need to share with him. Just like in those moments where we had with two different strangers in the room, we rarely share the darkest parts of who we are with God. That even turns out in the time we invest in our spiritual side. Most Christians attend one out of five times per year. Or sorry, 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 one out of five Sundays, not per year. One out of five Sundays. About 10 times a year, and that's okay. But let me put it a different way. I attend the gym how many times? Guess a number. Yeah. I'll attend one time a year. And I'll, th- I'll, th- I'll just admit that. I attend about one time a year. You get this physique, okay? Yes? Yes? Yeah, thank you for the woo. I don't know what you're seeing. I, I see it in the mirror every day. You have, to, you have to listen to me, and you have to look at me. I'm sorry. One time a year, I'll go to the gym because I'll be like, I'm going to get fit this year. And then I'll do the gym. I'm like, this is awful. I'm never coming back. Oreos and TV for the win. I'll play, yes, there's my people, amen. I will play trumpet, and I was really good at trumpet at a time in my life. I love playing the trumpet. I'll play trumpet maybe like two or three times a year, maybe four, usually when the Huskers have a victory, which is like never, so I never play trumpet anymore. But in all honesty, I'll pick up my trumpet and I'll play it off, and I'm like, oh, I used to be good at this. This is fun. And I'll realize, yeah, but I'm, it's a lot of work, but I'll, I'll keep up the chops. You know, I'll know how to do the scales. I'll do the chromatic scale. I'll do the F major scale, and then that's good, Okay. But I'm there, I get frustrated because I'm not as good as I was in college when I was doing it every single day for hours on end. Yet right now in this season of life, friends, I'll play online chess three times a day. It's easy. You log in, you do the chess thing, blah, 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 blah. Okay, play the game, I lose, fine, okay. And you know what? I'm actually getting pretty good at chess. It's remarkable. I do it every night while I'm singing the same lullaby I sang for 14 years in a row to my kids. Baby Beluga. And I play chess because I know that song forward, backward, and in the minor, which is amazing. You should try it. If I throw in that time, I'll have growth in that area. And friends, the church is a perfect place, a perfect greenhouse to reorient relationship with both Jesus and with those around me who are united in relationship to him. That comes through commitment, authenticity, and proximity. In the church, And nowhere else can you find this sort of relational growth. And as I said in the first service, and I can't wait to say it here, if you look at the the first letters, that's no cap. (laughs) I'm not here saying that E3 will will solve all your problems. 
nor is this an Easter sermon to make you feel guilty about church attendance. No, 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 no. Instead, leveling up your faith during Lent by taking away something, what if we add this Easter to my relational levels of those around me and to Jesus Christ himself? This message is to remind you that Jesus has every right to ascend to heaven, to leave Thomas in his doubt. See, Jesus will not leave us. No matter where we are, and no matter where our spiritual history, no matter what our inconsistency in relationship is, just like Thomas, he will come to us and say, touch me, see me, know me, and I'll restore you. Some of us here are in pristine relational and spiritual relational health. We get an attaboy. We were wise enough to know that even the closest friends of Jesus abandoned him his last week, and all of us have room to grow relationally with him. Some of us here have great relationships in this life, but not so great on the spiritual, or vice versa. And many, in some ways myself included, are struggling both with significant ways in relationship, both with the divine and those around me. Friends, there is hope. What the resurrection does is it reorients priority, proximity, and commitment. And the resurrection literally touches every cell in your body on a spiritual level to be a deposit for your future resurrection as well. Easter is no cap. It's a very big deal. If you don't think that Jesus is touching us right now as we celebrate our risen Lord, trust me. Jesus has reached out to all of us this day and every day to restore our souls, to reorient our lives, and to give hope over death itself with relationship. That class I led so many years ago had a real machismo who had the woo of a tenured politician and the body of a Greek god. He's doing very well for himself. Through a pastor there, he had a true moment of conversion after opening his heart to God. And I remember him coming into class about two-thirds of the way in after this conversion moment, and it was called Journey of Love. And I remember him so clearly coming in saying, hey, Mr. Martin, do you think that Jesus wants me even here? And he points at this area of his body that I will not point to because I'll get tired little uncomfortable. And I said, yes. Jesus wants to know every part of you, even the ones we don't often think about orienting Jesus in. It's an unbelievable day of dialogue that opened up with all the boys and a transformational talk about how Jesus wants relationship with them in every facet of their lives, even their love lives. So are you ready to invest your time to be authentic to invest your spiritual life in a way that you do in other areas, maybe. It's scary. It's redefining. But it's for the betterment of your soul and for all eternity. See, because of Easter, we can come in a relationship to touch 